of Colossians chapter 1. I will begin in verse 13. And we will consider verse 16. Oh, I'm so sorry. And also verse 17. Saints of God, this is the word of the Lord. Give it your full attention. For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, and for our consideration this afternoon. For by him all things were created, both in heavens, in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. As it was done this morning, we will continue in Colossians, this wonderful letter that St. Paul has written, not merely for those in Colossae, but also for us here, 2023, Bakersfield, California. As we have been noticing thus far, starting really from verse 13 on to verse 16 to 17, Paul is doing one thing, and that is he is highlighting the preeminence, the supremacy of Jesus Christ. From 13 to, and I don't know however long, but from verse 13, Paul is climbing us up this Mount Everest of Christology. And he's setting before our eyes how great Jesus Christ is. How great, how grand, how magnificent, how marvelous Jesus Christ is. That we don't just consider Christ on that Advent season. At the beginning of December, that's when we start considering Christ and and all of who He is and what He has done. But rather, we are to always remember. We are always to remind ourselves. We are always to be sort of um, in the field of considering our Christ. How are we to think of our Christ then? How are we to think of Jesus Christ? Well, Paul lays this out for us so, so brilliantly that Jesus Christ is God. If there's anything that we say about Jesus Christ, we must say this first thing first. That is, Jesus Christ is God. As we turn now to verses 16 through 17, Paul will now give us more uh, reason of why Jesus Christ is preeminent. Why he stands head and above all things. If you want to know what distinguishes Jesus Christ from creation itself, Paul lays it out for us in verses 16 and 17. What's the difference between us and Jesus Christ? Well, let's first consider the Son as Creator. The Son as Creator. As I have already said, St. Paul sets forth the preeminence of Jesus Christ as Christ being the firstborn of all creation. Now, Paul will continue to highlight our Lord's preeminence by considering our Lord as Creator. Our Lord as Creator. The question, saints, that I have for you this afternoon is, who created all things? Who created all things? And of course, we all know the answer. God created all things. 
It was God and God alone who created all things. But what do we mean when we say God created all things? What do we mean when we say God, that word God, (laughs) created all things? We know God is that one divine essence subsisting as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So then what are we saying when we say God created all things? What we are saying, saints, is the one God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit created all things. When we say God created all things, we are saying the one God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit created all things. In other words, creation is a Trinitarian act. Creation is a Trinitarian act. We see this in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Yet for us there is one God the Father, from whom all things and for whom we exist. We see the, the Bible attributing We could even say God himself because he wrote the Bible. Attributing creation to himself, the Father. But also we see in Genesis 1 and 1 and 2. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. The darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So here we see that in creation, or rather the Bible attributing creation to the Spirit. And also in our text. For by him all things were created, speaking of the Son. So the Bible then, it tells us who created creation. It was the Father. It was the Son. And it was the Holy Spirit. What we see in Scripture is that all three persons are involved in creation. Again, saints, all three persons are involved in creation. Now, when I say that all three persons are involved in creation... We have to think that the Father and the Son and the Spirit create in the same way that three individuals create. Now stick with me here with this argument. When I say that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all have their hands in creation, it doesn't mean, um, or it's not, it's not a likened to how maybe myself, Pastor Antonio, and Mary have our hands in creating something. As if we, as if there are three individuals that have their hands in creating one object. That's not how the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit create. There are not three individuals, three separate beings that come together and create. Just as we see when one wants to put a building up. You have all these separate Beings, persons coming together and creating one thing. In creation, the Father is not doing His own thing over here. And then the Son doing His own thing over here. And then the Spirit doing His own thing over here. But rather, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit act, work inseparably. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit work inseparably. I know this is very hard for us to understand because there is nothing in our own experience that we can you know, alike in this too. But the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, when they create, they create inseparably. Which means this, what the Father is doing, the Son is doing. And what the Son is doing, the Spirit is doing. And what the Spirit is doing, the Father and the Son are doing. That's essentially what that means. John Owen explains, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are undivided in their operations. Meaning, 
meaning you can't divide them when they are doing something externally, okay? Acting all by the same will, the same wisdom, the same power. We cannot say that of ourselves. Uh, we have myself, Pastor Antonio, and Mary who, who desire to create something, but we do not create something with the same power, with the same will, or with the same wisdom. Every person, therefore, is the author of every, every work of God. Because each person is God. And the divine nature is the same undivided principle of all the divine operations. And this arises from the unity of the person in the same essence. In other words, saints, what, what John Owen is saying is because the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit share the same essence, because they share the same will, and because they share the same power, they share the same common work of creating. Now, yes, we share that one same essence of humanity. But we are generically, right, one, not numerically one. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are numerically one, not generically one. They're numerically one, which means that they have the same will, the same power, the same wisdom. We see the saints even in our own experience. That our natures and who we are determines what we can do in this world. That is to say, because you are human, you can do and you can create human things. Because you are human, you can paint on a canvas with precision, with beauty, with accuracy. A cat can't do that. A dog can't do that. Cats can do things that maybe you can, or maybe you and I can't do. But we as humans, the reason why we do human things is because we are humans. Well, the reason why God can do God things is because he is God. The reason why God can create and you can't create is because God is God. Once nature determines their activity, that's what we see with God. And this is Paul's point concerning the eternal son of God, Jesus Christ. For by him, all things were created. Oh, saints of God in the fourth century, this was the big debate. This was, this was the big debate in the fourth century. Is, can we equate Jesus Christ, the Son of God, with God? Or rather, with the Father? Can we say that the Son is of the same essence? That means, whatever it means to be God that the Father has, the Son has as well. Well, St. Paul says yes, because they share a common activity. The Father creates, but also the Son creates. But also the Spirit creates. For by Him all things were created. These words echo St. John's words in John chapter 1 verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, not even one thing came into being that came into being. Notice saints, Paul in verse 16 of our text is using the same language of John in chapter 1, verse 3. Again, Paul says, For by him all things were created. And John says in verse 3, All things came into being through him. And then John adds a little bit more, right? And apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. What's the message of these men, saints? What are they trying to tell us? The message is simply this. Jesus Christ is God. That the Son is God. That the Son is very God of very God. 
And the way we see that is by the Son is Creator. Let's for a moment examine John's words. Again, he says, all things came into being through Him. Through Him. What John is saying is the Father through the Son. And of course, by the, or in the Spirit or by the Spirit creates all things. That the Father through the Son. Now, when I say the Father through the Son brings all things into being, we must understand that word through correctly. Again, when I say that the Father through the Son creates all things, we must understand the word through correctly. A lot of ink has been spilled over this. For example, the early church father Origen believed that all things were made through the Son as something is made by a greater through a lesser. As something is made by a greater through a lesser. In other words, saints, how does someone... Uh, I saw Brother Dustin a few months ago. He was building a bird, whatever it was, for Brother uh, Tony. He was using a lesser object to create something. What was those lesser objects? Wood, nails, hammer, all those other things. Something that is lesser than his humanity. He was using to create something. <clears throat> Origen is saying, that's kind of how the Father creates. He's using an inferior one to create something. That's what essentially Origen is saying. That the Son is being used as an inferior or an instrument of the Father. So, Origen then interpreted that word through to mean that the Son was lesser than the Father. Or that the Father used the Son as an instrument to create. Now, what's the problem with saying, well, the, the Father can use the Son as an instrument. The problem is, I'm using this microphone as an instrument. You're using your chair as an instrument to sit down. Many of you are using, I'll, I'll stop there, but you're using, we use things lesser than us, right, as instruments. Well then, if we say that the Son is being used as an instrument, then simply put, the Son is not God. I'm sorry, Origen, I love you, but that's blasphemy. That is blasphemy. As Thomas Aquinas explains, the proposition through, that word through, does not signify any inferiority in the Son when all things are said to be made through Him. When we say that the Father through the Son creates, it doesn't mean that the Son is a lesser inferior one. That the Father is using the Son. The Father doesn't use the Son. The Father with the Son creates. I'm going to tell you in a moment why this is important for us to know. Especially when we talk about the Academy. So, what this word through signifies is that the Father does not act apart from the Son. That's simply what it means. That the Father does not act apart from the Son, but always acts through the Son, with the Son. Thomas Aquinas gives us a good analogy. He says, whoever makes something must pre... Let me say it slowly. Whoever makes something must preconceive it in his wisdom which is the form and pattern of the thing made. As the form 
preconceived in the mind of the artisan is the pattern of the cabinet to be made. So, for instance, if an artist wants to make a cabinet, he sees it first in his mind. He has the image of it in his mind. You know this well. I mean, many of you cook. You kind of already see the finished product already, right? Um, you know, you, you take pictures for Instagram or whatever. You take the picture and... That's, that picture is sort of like a liken to what you had in your mind. You know, that beautiful plate of rice and adobo all glistening and things like that, right? You have that already in your mind when you're putting all the things together, right? You have that already in your mind. You're the image in your mind. Well, then Thomas Aquinas says, So God makes nothing except through the conception of his intellect which is an eternal conceived wisdom, that is, the Word of God, the Son of God. Accordingly, it is impossible that He should make anything except through His Son. Just as it's impossible for you to make something without you also envisioning it in your mind, without you having an image of it in your mind, He's saying it's a liken to the Father. The Father doesn't make something without it being in His Word, His wisdom. Well, who's, who's the wisdom of God? The Son. The Son of God. The Bible frequently speaks of this way. John 1.10, he, he is in the world. And the world came into being through him. And yet the world did not know him. 1 Corinthians 8.6, yet for us there was one God the Father, for whom all things came and for whom we exist. And there was one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came through we exist. In Hebrews 1.12, but in these last days he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. All these verses are highlighting the fact that the Father works with the Son. The Father works with the Son. This is what St. Paul is getting at in the beginning of our verse. For by him all things created. The point, saints, cannot be overlooked and undermined. Hear me now. This point cannot be overlooked or undermined. That creation did not come about through a luck of the draw. Young people, hear me now, especially those who will go into the academy one day, that creation did not come about through randomness, by a luck of the draw. Even young ones who are going into elementary school, I don't know if they're teaching this, but they may, that maybe, you know, given this expansion of the universe, maybe the Big Bang Theory Maybe this, maybe that. On one Monday afternoon, boom! Everything came into existence. We don't need God. We have the reason. Saints of God, creation is not a product of things being at the right place at the right time. Creation did not come about by itself. It did not. The same God, saints, who hung on the cross... It's the same God who hung the stars. The same God who died on the cross is the same God who said, let there be light. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, created with the Father and the Spirit all things. And saints of God, don't ever forget it. Don't ever forget it. In an age where Jesus is seen as a great teacher of morality, and only that. As someone who can teach us how to live as better citizens in this world. We must uphold the central truth that Jesus Christ is God. Not just another great man in a long line of great men. Not someone who just taught us how to treat our brother and sister better. Those things have their purposes, but 
Saints of God, Jesus Christ created all things. He is God, very God of very God. He is God, saints. He is not created with creation. Rather, the Father and the Spirit and Him created all things. Which leads us to the next verses in verse 16. For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, invisible or invisible and invisible. Here, Paul leaves no room for anyone to doubt the Son as Creator. Just in case someone may ask, well, is there anything that the Son didn't have His created hand in? Is there any square inch in creation somewhere tucked away that the Son said, I didn't make that over there though. I made all things, but I, I don't claim that. Just in case someone said, well, the Son may have created this, but He didn't create that. Paul puts it plainly. For by him all things created, both in the heavens and on earth. And let me make it more plainly for you all. Visible and invisible. Essentially what Paul is saying is the entire realm of being, the entire realm of isness can attribute their existence to the eternal Son. In other words, anything that exists, anything that you see and not see, finds its origins in the eternal Son of God. One theologian said, what had no beginning before was brought about into being by Him. The universe was not until He commanded it to be. He spake and it was done. Every form of matter of life owes its origins to the Son of God. Every form, every kind of matter, simple or complex, the atom, the star, the sun, every grade of life from the worm to the angel, every order of intellect and around, uh, being around and above us, the splendors of heaven and the near phenomena of earth are the product of the firstborn. In other words, saints, you cannot name one thing in this world that cannot attribute its existence to the Son of God. To the very chairs that you're sitting on. Yes, even those chairs. To the very eyes that you have looking upon me right now. Every single thing, saints, has its efficient principal cause in the eternal Son of God. Anything that has life was made by the Son. Anything that died had life in the Son. And its reason for death is because of the Son. Anything that has moved from a state of nothingness to a state of isness to a state of to be can be attributed to the Son of God. The birds, the clouds, the trees, anything that we see in this earth, the, the beauty of creation that we see, the Son of God says, I created that. But also the things we can't see, the atoms, gravity, your very soul itself was created by the Son of God. Paul even expands this by even saying, even whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities. There's a great interpretation of this that, that talks about the celestial hierarchy. Talks about the angels and, and, and all of that. Even down to the very rulers here on this earth. There's a reason why Jesus told Pontius Pilate, you have no power over me. You have no power over me. 
Because Jesus Christ has all the power. He created the power for Pontius Pilate to have power. He created Pontius Pilate. This point, congregation, is not merely meant for us to have better ammunition, more ammunition for us to defend the deity of Christ. That's, we can have that. That's fine. But it ought to cause us to rejoice. This point ought to cause us to rejoice. It, it should stir up more love for God. For look at all the good things that God has given to creation. Look at all the good things, saints, that God has given to creation. Look at all the marvels and the beauties in this world that He's created. Look at all the things that we have in our own lives that if they left our lives, we would say, man, would we be able to live? Consider all the things that you enjoy on this earth. Consider all the things that you enjoy on this earth. The eternal Son had His hand in it. Had His hand in it. God, through His Son and by His Spirit, shows His goodness by giving us good things. Shows its goodness by giving us good things. But why, saints? Why did God create through His Son? Consider the last half of verse 16. All things have been created through Him and for Him. All things have been created through Him and for Him. When Paul says that all creation is for the Son, let us not think that God needed to create because He was lonely. Again, let us not think that God needed to create because He was lonely. God doesn't create because He needs friends. God doesn't create because He needs someone to love Him. Rather, and hear me now, God creates in order that others would share and experience His goodness. It's like someone who has a lot of money. They give their money away. They say, I know how much you will benefit by me giving you my money. God says, I know I am the very definition of good. I'm the very dis- definition of goodness. I'm the very definition of beatitude, of the happy life, of happiness, right? And he says, I will share my goodness, my being with you. What this means, congregation, is that everything in this life, hear me now, everything in this life does not find its end in our enjoyment. Everything in this life does not find its end in our enjoyment. We are not the end for which creation was made for. Rather, creation was made to lead us to God. The hamburger that you eat, the hamburger has its end in what? To be consumed. But also the hamburger has its end to reveal to you the goodness of God. The chairs that you sit on have its and to reveal to you the goodness of God. Everything that's created has its finality in leading us to the first, the principal, the efficient cause of all things, which is God. What this means, congregation, is creation doesn't just find its origin in the eternal Son, but creation finds its end in the eternal Son. Creation finds its end It finds its end point, its end game in the eternal Son. The eternal Son of God is not just the efficient cause of creation. He's the final cause. He's the reason why all things exist. And this has great application for us, congregation. Great application. Are we living, congregation? Saints of God, are we living for who we were created for? Are we living for who 
we were created for. What are you living for? And what brings you the most happiness? Augustine has said it beautifully. Our hearts are restless until we find rest in Him. He will also say that there's a, there's a vacuum-shaped hole in our heart that only, only God can fulfill. Saints of God, nothing created can bring you ultimate satisfaction. Nothing created can bring you ultimate happiness. Can money do it? For a time, yes. But then you'll need more money. Can your job do it? For a time, yes. But one day you won't have that job. Can your cell phones do it? Yes, but one day the iPhone 23 will come out. And we're going to need that one. Can our wives and husbands do it? Surely for a time, but one day they will be gone. Saints of God, nothing in this created order can bring us ultimate satisfaction. Nothing in this created order is your final end. It is not your final end. You were created greater for greater things, for greater happiness. It's only found in God. Pastor Antonio said beautifully last Sunday talking about the goodness of God. Well, how can God be the supreme good? How can God's goodness be over the goodness of our phone, the goodness of friendship, the goodness of marriage? How can he be? Because what you find in God is when you seek, when you find God, you don't need to look beyond God. You don't need to say, this is great, but is there anything else? Is there anything else that that I can maybe experience? Is there something that I can experience that's far better? Saints of God, hear me now. Only God and God alone is where you find supreme goodness, supreme happiness. Because it's only in God and God alone where you don't have to search any longer. You don't have to search any longer. That's why He's the supreme good. That is why. That's why He excels, exceeds all other goods in this life. Saints of God, ask yourselves, are we living for who we were created for? One way we can do this is by filling our mind with spiritual truth. And saints of God, hear me now. That theology, studying doctrine, all those wonderful things, does not find its end in you being smart. And it does not find its end in just getting a degree. It finds its end in knowing God and loving God. That's where theology finds its end. In loving God, knowing God. Ordering all of who you are to God. That is to say, all things find its end in God. So saints of God, if you don't find, if you're not living in a manner in which you know, you know that you're not giving to Christ all of you, all of who you are, what are you waiting for? You are living a subpar life, especially if you are a Christian. You, you are not living as, uh, I won't say his name. You are not, you are not living the purpose driven life. And lastly, Paul says, not only do all, not only do all the things find their beginning in the sun, not only do all the things find their end in the sun, he says all things are preserved by the sun. All things are preserved by the sun. Verse 17, he's before all things and in him all things hold together, just in case one may say that 
Am I speaking of myself? July 15th, 1989. God wound up my clock. He gave me an end date, but he let me do my own thing until I get there. God doesn't wind up our clocks and then says, you know what? You go your own way. You, you are not, you are not your own authority. No, 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 no. The sun begins our life. The sun ends our life. And the sun preserves our life. I came across this passage while I was studying. Consider, saints, the psalmist's words. He says, for you form my inward parts. And you wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth, your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And hear this. And in your book were written all my days. In your book were written all my days. The days that were ordained for me. When as yet there was not one of them. God has written the script of your life. He has written every single moment in your life. And saints of God, aren't you happy that although it's not the end, thank the Lord that we're sitting here right now where we are. Thank the Lord that He has written our script in this way. That however means I die, we will get there. But I know my ending is good. I know I will have a good ending. Oh, praise the Lord. Paul says, saints, not only does God bring us into existence, He keeps us existing. Your heart beating right now. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Your eyes being able to see what you can see right now, thank the Lord. Your ears being able to, for you to hear right now, thank the Lord. For you to smell the way you do, thank the Lord. For you, for you to be able to walk the way you do. You may not be able to walk the way you used to. Your bones may crack a little bit. He's still preserving you, though. You're still walking. He's still saying, I got you, son and daughter. And saints of God, even when you are in your deathbed. Oh, I, I cannot wait. If, if God gives me the chance, the opportunity to be on my deathbed, to even have the slightest of memory. I wonder how great of a vision I will have of Christ at that moment. If, if I can just smell heaven more at that moment. Paul says it clearly in Acts 17, 28, for in him we live and move and exist. Not only just we have our beginning, not only do we have our ending, we have our now. We have our present, present reality, our present time. Is found in Jesus Christ. If Christ was for one second to remove his hand, think about that, saints. For one second. Think of yourself in the morning if you run out of coffee. How do you feel? Well, think about if Christ removed himself. If Christ was nowhere to be found in the cabinet, where would we be? We would no longer exist. Astrophysicists have theorized the different ways in which the universe upholds itself together. 
You think of the universe as ever-expanding. You could think of the law of inertia. There's many theories that they, they have come up with to try to explain this paradox of how does the universe so perfectly hold itself together? This was said one time with Billy Graham and a bunch of science, scientists and astrophysicists. And after they got done with the presentations, Billy Graham stood up and said, I know how it's held together. Say what you want about the man's theology. He got this right. He said, Jesus is holding everything together. Amen. That Jesus Christ is the reason why the earth has not burned up. Jesus Christ is the reason why we ourselves, even our own lives, saints, are being upheld. You see your friends whom you used to hang out with. You see the things that you used to do. You ask yourself, Lord, how, how, how have I not lost my mind? How have I not been drawn into that black hole? Amen. Amen. Because Jesus has been holding you together. Amen. Because Jesus, the Son of God, has been holding you together for a time like this to remind you right now Amen. that Jesus has been holding you together. He's preserving us, saints. He's preserving us, not only for our end, but also to breathe at this very moment. In closing, as we move on to 2023, just as the Son gives us life, breath, and all things, saints of God, let us give to Him life, breath, and all things. Let us return to Him what He gives to us, all of our being. Let's pray.